Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I set out to profile Madison Cawthorn to try to answer the question that so many people in Washington and in North Carolina and all around the country are asking, which is why is he this way? I'm Annie Reese, and this is Politico Dispatch. Michael Cruz, senior staff writer for Politico and Politico magazine. There are another wave of midterm primaries today, among them a primary in North Carolina that will decide whether Representative Madison Cawthorn will face another general election. And many of his once enthusiastic constituents aren't so sure about him anymore. They think he's become too much trouble for what he's worth. You've seen the headlines. It's embarrassing to them that their representative has been repeatedly stopped for speeding, for driving without a license, has twice now been stopped in airports trying to board planes with guns in his bags, that he makes comments about Washington colleagues having orgies and using cocaine, that he calls the Ukrainian president a thug and the Ukrainian government incredibly evil. On and on and on. On the show today, Michael Cruz on the unraveling of Madison Cawthorn and why his political career is on the line. Often lost, uh, in my estimation, in all of the news about Madison Cawthorn, certainly of late, but from the start of his political rise, is the fact that he is a very young man who... At a very young age, at the end of his time as a high school, homeschooled high school student, was involved in a devastating accident. He was asleep in a car being driven by his best friend in Florida on spring break. And his friend fell asleep as well. And they careened into a concrete barrier and it paralyzed Madison Cawthorn. To me, that is where the story of Madison Cawthorn, the human being, starts. Tell me about what you learned about his early political career and the kind of candidate he was when he first ran in the runoff in North Carolina. So he had sort of a a stated but slightly unformed goal of being a congressman. And that was true even before the accident. The opportunity presented itself quite suddenly when in late December of 2019, Mark Meadows, who at the time was the congressman for Western North Carolina, Mm -hmm. decided to not run for re-election, ostensibly to make himself available to be Donald Trump's fourth White House chief of staff. Mm -hmm. And that set off a wide open Republican primary to run for his seat. And Madison Cawthorn, at all of 24 years old, was one of 12 candidates in that primary. And he stood out for a number of reasons. One, his youth. Wasn't even old enough when he started running to be a member of Congress at 24 years old. That's right. Wow. His wheelchair was a distinguishing characteristic. And with that wheelchair, of course, came this compelling backstory of overcoming adversity. And many people told me in the course of my reporting, there is a was an immediate attraction to Madison when he started running because he's young, fresh face. And 
just rolling onto a stage tells a, a powerful story, it told a powerful story to people who might have known just the, the, the briefest outlines of that story. But triumph over adversity, here he is trying to serve his country in this capacity. And in the course of his campaign, the first primary, and then as it turned out, the second primary, the runoff, he ran, in retrospect, as something pretty different from what he's become as an actual member of Congress. Yes, he was kind of an America first, constitutional, conservative, Christian, mm -hmm. Republican. But he also, unlike any of the other candidates, the 11 in the first primary and then the just one in the second primary, he talked differently. He talked about crossing the aisle. He talked about being uh, accessible to the press. He talked about the need to lower the partisan fire rather than to stoke it. Right. He talked about Trump's tweets and that how they were not very helpful in this regard. Mm -hmm. He, of course, at the time in those two primaries was not actually endorsed by Donald Trump. He was after he came through that runoff, but he was not endorsed. So maybe a more of a license to say those things. But nonetheless, he sounded in a variety of ways quite different from the way he sounded ever since he won. And the singular example of this is the tweet he sent on election night, cry more lib, just a very punchy, short, uh, provocative, in-your-face, Trump-esque tweet. Even after that, though, there was a level of willingness to be apologetic, to be remorseful, to be a little bit thoughtful about what was going on around him and his role within what was going on around him. And then even after he got to Congress and had a speaking role at the rally on January 6th before the insurrection at the Capitol, he talked about how he was, in some sense, sorry for any role he might have played and how it played out that day. Mm -hmm. But February, March of 2021, that shifts in a different, darker direction, and he has been the way he's been essentially ever since. You talk to people in his district who were early champions of his, and some of them feel very differently now. Can you describe that evolution? The best example of this, the face of this evolution, as you say, is, is certainly George Irwin, a politically connected and politically influential retired sheriff in Henderson County, North Carolina, where Madison Cawthorn is from and still lives. George Irwin was taken by Madison Cawthorn at the outset of his primary campaign, uh, committed to helping him, did help him, and because of that was in line to be his district director once Cawthorn won in November. Mm -hmm. Made the decision in the month or so after that November win that he could not do this anymore, was increasingly uncomfortable with that shift in behavior, with the reality that he was opting, he, Cawthorn, was surrounding himself with young friends, people his age, 25 years old or younger, on his staff rather than more experienced political hands. And then the final straw was that then not quite yet Representative Cawthorn called George Irwin a coward and a little bitch because of a disagreement 
in the district office about roles of two women who were going to be hired and word got back to George Irwin and that was that was that and then in particular and in addition after January 6th after his role on January 6th George Irwin got on Facebook and said Madison Cawthorn has blood on his hands I'm sorry he apologized for having been so supportive for having played a part in making Madison Cawthorn a member of Congress and how much did he win his first election by Really close. Um, in the first primary, he finished second, uh, a thousand votes or so ahead of the third place finisher. If that result had been flip flopped, we probably never would have heard of Madison Cawthorn. At least we wouldn't have yet. But because he finished second, barely, he got into a runoff with the first place finisher, the Trump endorsed candidate, a woman named Linda Bennett and the Meadows-endorsed candidate, for that matter. In the second primary, in the runoff, Cawthorn won two-thirds of the vote, um, trounced Linda Bennett, and then in the general election, uh, won handily, which was not a surprise. The Western North Carolina mountains are a comfortable Republican district, and that's how that played out. And so, in some ways, Madison Cawthorn became a member of Congress because of you know the, the runoff rules of North Carolina and a 1,000 votes. And so where does Madison Cawthorn find himself now within the Republican Party? So electorally, he is not guaranteed to win this primary on Tuesday. If he wins more than 30% of the vote, he wins. If he doesn't win more than 30% of the vote, he would in some sense be in the same situation his Trump-endorsed opponent was two years ago uh, in a runoff that probably would be quite different for him. Mm-hmm. He could win, certainly. He is, he is an incumbent member of Congress. Certainly there are voters in North Carolina who still like him in spite of the torrent of unsavory news or maybe even because of it. So he could win. But more and more uh, in my conversations with you know, plugged in North Carolina pollsters and politicos and consultants, There is a sense that he might not get to that 30% threshold, which would send him into a runoff and who knows what happens there. It's also not inconceivable, actually, that he could come through a primary and still be in a race come November, depending on who comes out from the Democratic primary and what else comes out about Madison Cawthorn over the coming months, if that's how this plays out. So electorally, he is vulnerable. Politically, I think the damage at this point looks to be even more severe, Mm. if that's the way to put it. He has lost the backing and the trust of House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, of the two Republican senators from North Carolina, of the two most important Republicans in the state legislature in North Carolina, and down the ladder, down the line of political influence on the right in Western North Carolina, in Raleigh, in Washington, he has made many enemies very locally. George Irwin at the top of the list, Mm -hmm. but at the top of a long list. People who not that long ago were very supportive and now no longer are and have options. There are seven other Republicans running against him in this primary. Chuck Edwards, a state senator, is probably the most formidable challenger to Madison Cawthorn. And we'll have to see how that plays out. But he is on the line. His political... uh, Existence is very much on the line in the primary in North Carolina 
Michael Cruz, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks as always. Also in the news, on Monday, President Biden signed an order to redeploy hundreds of U.S. troops to Somalia to counter the Islamic extremist rebel group Al-Shabaab, reversing an effort from President Trump to withdraw forces from the country. And a new draft of congressional district maps for New York were released Monday that upended a number of potential races. The latest maps were drawn by a special master that would potentially pit several high-profile Democrats, like Representatives Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney, against one another in the same district. These maps for New York's 26 congressional districts will play a huge role in whether Democrats can retain control of the House in the midterm elections. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet. And if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.